Hi, my name is Joan Blondorrington, and I represent the CEO of Poppy Peppas Industries. As you know, Poppy Peppas makes one of the premier teabagging uh, apps that's available on the App Store. Hello. Oh, good morning. How are good you? Good morning. How is everything up there? Way up there. Everything is very well up here. Do you squeeze the the tea bag? Do you squeeze it after, or do you just pull it out? Yeah, sure. I squeeze the tea bag. I got a method. I thought because I thought there was some kind of antioxidant benefit to giving it a full squeeze at the end. No, I think that's just common sense, Dan. Okay. If just you want to get, get the tea out of the tea, you got to squeeze the tea. You got to, you got to, <laughs> do, do you, uh, I don't, I'll tell you what I do. Yeah. I think I do the obvious. Go ahead, I, cool. uh, uh, yeah, sorry. First time tea, tea bagger. <laughs> do, do you, um, <clears throat> do you, um, are you having bag tea or loose tea? This is, in this case, it's a, ba- it's a bag. Uh, mm-hmm. it's a Tazo. Is, is it, uh, is it be strong? It's a Tazo Earl Grey. Tazo Earl Grey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like when uh, I do the green tea, I do the loose, but then I do it in that little thing where it, it, uh, it drops down. The diffuser? Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what I'll do is I'll, uh, you know, depending on how, whether there's people around, you could do this with a spoon or you could do this with your hand, uh-huh. depending on the heat of the tea bag. Yeah. Hmm. And you, you, you wrap the string around and you squeeze it. Oh, you think that's not sanitary? No, no, no. I, you see, it's funny. That was kind of your unsanitary voice. I don't talk about my dad a lot, but, uh, one mm. of the things I, I remember at the breakfast table, he had this, it was like a system. And looking back, I wonder if it was, wasn't a little OCD, but he would get the orange juice and he'd get the tea and the tea bag would be in there and he'd drink the orange juice. It was always the same in one Gulp. It was not a, a tall glass. It was like almost like a, a whiskey glass size. Oh, like an old fashioned, an old, uh, not, yeah. not an old fashioned glass, but a uh, yeah. but the old fashioned method, if you like, <laughs> when people would have la- uh, fewer orange juices right. at, uh, at their at their breakfast. And he would drink the whole orange juice, put that down, grab mm-hmm. the spoon, pull the tea bag out, wrap the string around it, squeeze it, boom, into the orange juice glass. I can't believe things didn't work out. That's <laughs> I know. That sounds like a very organized fella. It would in that way. I think he was. I think we. I think we all have our little uh, things like that. Yeah. What do yeah. you do? Oh, brother! You, you always like open that. your mail over the recycle bin. Yeah. Well, you know, we don't get much mail, but but when we do, we throw it away because um, your neighbors, your neighbors are run over it. <laughs> Thanks, Harrys. Um, uh, <laughs> hey, look! It's a CD from Barsook. Oh, oh my gosh. Warby Parker. Did that really? No. Oh my god. That wouldn't happen. No, no, that's all fine. Um tea bagging is um <clears throat> so what are you having now? Tazo Earl Grey. Yeah. You put anything in it? Straight, straight up. Straight up. You know the, if no. if I can put the uh but the manuka honey. Mm, that's manuka my only manuka honey. honey. Yeah. But what 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 makes it manuka? Uh, is, that, is that where it's sourced? Yeah, it's sourced in manuka, and there's different strengths of the manuka honey that you can you can get. And uh, the MGO four hundred, I mean, that's Woo-hoo, brother, wow, wow. If you've got money, not a bad way to they'll, spend they'll it. They'll sell you saying. honey. <laughs> They're just gonna have to run with that. Oh my god, wow, yeah. We help a lot of people, Dan. This is a show about helping people, and uh, even Costco thinks so. Productivity barriers. Creativity, <laughs> boiled eggs. I remember when you. Oh yeah, you were saying you had a boiled egg thing on the on the docket. Did you see the Costco link? Yeah, I saw the Costco. Oh, link. I thought that was just an outrageous coincidence. It was great. Oh my god, Dan, this has literally changed everything for me. For being listed in the, we were in caught. For those who don't read the Costco, oh god, magazine. After we went through all of that for that. <laughs> We should tell that story. We should shame those people. That was so dorky. Let's do it. Well, it's this is why I don't answer the phone anymore, Dan. The Costco, the Costco Connection is a magazine. <laughs> and uh, they reached out to us. They, yes. Uh, you tell this story because it's priceless. It's wonderful. No, no. First of Hi, all. Hi, Costco I, listeners. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I am the Costco F. It's a Saturday and many people would like to shop today. Could you please move your cart out of the way of the free samples because people would like to buy things? Hello. Yeah. Um, Dan, I don't know what has happened to the email for this show. I think it's out there. Yeah. I think I think we 
you tell me. I, I think we've gotten onto some kind of a list. <laughs> Have you noticed an uptick lately in a certain kind of email? Yeah. The emails generally read it. Uh, it it's, it's Hi, usually- <laughs> my name is Joan Blondorrington, and I represent the CEO of Poppy Peppas Industries. As you know, Poppy Peppas makes one of the premier teabagging uh, apps that's available on the App Store. <laughs> Our CEO loves your program about productivity and would love a chance to be interviewed. <laughs> we get like three of these a week now. We don't get yeah. that much email. Mostly we get people correcting us or yeah. whatever. Fine. That's great. Thank you. But then now all of a sudden we get all these, these, these douchebags, uh-huh. not, not Costco per se, but we get all these douchebags that are contacting us because they want to be on the program. Now, <laughs> have, and your response sometimes is, have what, you listened to the show? Well, usually my, my response is, that sounds super interesting. What's your favorite recent episode? Right. Oh, the great shows. Yeah. Because they've obviously never listened to the Mother F and program because mm-hmm. they would know that we don't have douchebags on the show. We already have two douchebags on the show. Right. We, we don't want to crowd, crowd the oxygen out of the vertical space. <sighs> so, you know, a nice enough guy from Costco. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit like this thing that happens. And, and <laughs> now I'm complaining. And I don't mean to complain, Dan. You know that I don't, I don't no, complain. Not yet. But there's, it's like that thing that happens where people go, uh, I'm giving a presentation at work. Would you mind if I mentioned your name and something that you wrote? And it's like, you know, okay, uh, that's a that's a thing that could happen. Uh, you don't really need to ask my permission for that. Is right. the thing? You're a celebrity. So, you've give you you belong to the people. No, it's a nice thing, and, and somebody's reaching out, and okay. I, I I do very much appreciate that. Um, no, but in this case, Costco uh, said they wanted to mention our program. Um, in their uh, newsletter thing, yeah, yeah, it was great. And we said, and we said, sure. Well, there were some requirements too. Yeah, they, but then they they wanted to get a little more detail. Yeah, yeah. And you you take it from here. Well, they they apparently, and and I mean, this makes sense to me. Um, you know, in order to mention us, they wanted to make sure that we were, um, Costco active Costco members, at least one of us. I couldn't tell if it was a requirement, but he definitely wanted to find out. It was interesting. Yeah, I got just from the overall sense of it. I, I, it was like they they were making sure that w- that we were, and I and I am I am I am, I am one, and uh, so we were in the clear. And he he asked us some questions. There was a whole bunch of questions, but we made whatever we needed. We we apparently quali- we qualified. We were qualified to do it. Yeah, we we passed the audition. So then I was expecting something big, well, like a full I, page. I expected so. I mean, I, I didn't really expect anything. I don't really think a whole lot about things like that, but it was, it was a nice gesture and yeah. it's nice when people want to mention the show. It's, it's a nice, nice thing. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like when you're starting out, it's a huge deal for people to learn about your program. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was pretty brief. It was, it was like a, a, a an abbreviated it might have been a sentence and a half. Yeah, seven to ten words about the show with a with a a link on on the page. Yep. So thank Need you, to Costco. Right? I mean, we're we're in Costco magazine. It's big time. Well, I was excited. I don't know about you. I was pretty excited about it. Yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I was, uh, you know, um, but so here's the the new thought technology that I'm excited about. I learned about this when I was visiting some friends, and uh, this is a Costco product that I'm very excited about. I don't have a co- current Costco membership, but the service that I use for grocery delivery goes to Costco, and we'll buy stuff for you. So I get in kind of through the Costco back door. But did, did you did you see the thing that I? <laughs> Hmm? Are you not aware of the back door? They don't tell uh, anybody about it. It's something I think, you know, in a, in a, once you have a long-term relationship with Costco, it's something that you could request perhaps. Yeah, maybe like to might, celebrate your anniversary. Or yeah. Something, something special. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but you can, you can get from Costco this, this, the most amazing thing I've ever encountered in my life, which is 24 organic hard boiled peeled eggs in little packs of two. Oh, the perfect snack. Like, I don't know. I mean, you, you eat eggs. I, you're darn right I do. And I would eat a lot more hard-boiled eggs if it wasn't such a pain to, to put it together. You know? I mean, you know, it's, a lot, it's kind of a lot of work. It's got a lot of steps. You got to buy the eggs. You got to boil the water. If you do the, uh, the what's the guy's name? The, uh, the guy from the New York Times. He's got a really good method where you poke a hole in the end. David with a, Pogue. With a pin. David Pogue. I want to say Craig Kilborn, but I think that might be the guy from uh, The Daily Show. Oh. 
uh, somebody, uh, anyway, in any case, uh, this solves that problem. And it's, it's like, it's kind of costly, but not super costly. It's, uh, I think it's like 10 bucks for 24 eggs. Are they and like now, pastured? Uh, well, I mean, you know, they're probably not super nice, but yeah. the, the, the name, uh, the company name has organic in it. So okay. I think they have to be kind of nice. I want to try this. And they, but oh, they, God. so you get these, they're already peeled though. Yeah. Yeah. So that they're, sounds they're, like the Holy Grail. Oh, it's in two in a little pack. So you take a couple to work, you got a little breakfast. I'm going to have to look into on this. There. Oh my God. It's amazing. But anyway, thanks to Costco for featuring us in the magazine. Yeah. Unexpected. <sighs> the twists and turns of life of, uh, of a podcaster. You just, you never know what's, what's around the next corner. You sure don't. Hmm. So listen, you do. You, I, I didn't really talk to you much about this. Did you, can you talk a little bit about your presentation you did in Atlanta? Oh yeah, the uh, the thing at Startup Riot that I was um, a little, that I was feeling a little. I wasn't sure which way to go. So for for people who don't listen to this show is on a weekly basis. Last week, Merlin was uh, kind enough to let us record on a Monday, which was weird because we usually do it on a Tuesday show, and a lot of people were were wondering what happened and where it was. So mm-hmm. thanks, thanks for doing that, and thanks to listeners for not sending too many emails about it. But we we released on time, as they say. And while the show was being released, I was waiting in the Austin uh, airport for almost nine hours because we had this strangest, oh, no, weirdest, yeah, weirdest weather. Yeah, we we had a, a fog. It was like a Stephen King novel. We had fog that was so dense that like you would go up to the window to look out and see if your plane was there and it was just fog. You couldn't even see where the plane was pulling in. I mean, it was, it was insane. So no flights came and no flights went. And say that again. How long were you there? Almost nine hours. I think we were supposed to. I saw that you were delayed. I didn't realize it was that long. <laughs> it was long. Uh, we were delayed. So our flight was supposed to board at about nine 30 in the morning and we did not board until six thirty PM about. And this is from Austin? From Austin, yeah. Because what happened was there was this two or three hour time period uh, where no flights were coming or going. And the flights that happened to be in that time period, they were uh, kind of shunted until the, the end of the day. Because they don't want all the other flights. It's I always imagine it was like a domino effect. Like if the flight at nine is delayed, then that's going to push the flight at ten, which is going to push the flight at eleven. But they're smarter than that. They say that flight at nine was delayed. You're basically screwed now because we're going to get our ten o'clock and eleven o'clock and twelve o'clock flights. They're all going to be on time and they're all going to come into the gate when they're supposed oh, to. Oh, it doesn't cascade. You're the no. sin eater. You're yeah. the one that gets canceled, so the other ones can stay alive. Right. They but they didn't cancel it. They just kept pushing it back. And uh, other people were. They were kind of panicked. I knew I, I knew I was in this weird situation because I knew that I was going to get there. And as long as I was there for 8 a.m. the next morning, I was fine. You know, it made for an unpleasant day, but it's not like I had something happening at 5 p.m. Like, you know, it's not like I was going there for a wedding. And that's if why I always fly in the day before. You've got to fly in the day before. It's, you know, a lot of people don't believe in that. But like but when I used to fly for my old job, I used to fly back and forth between San Francisco and Florida a lot. And I would th- I would try to be real macho and do the red eye. And then oh, going to work tough. at seven in the morning Oof. and it's, I mean, it was useless all day. And, but it also, again, like I say, though, I mean, that delay then becomes very significant. Yeah, it does. And it, it pushed back. And so most of the people on the flight, I think one way or another had rerouted, they'd gotten on other flights, they'd flown standby, whatever, because by the time 630 rolled around, there's only like 15 of us. And then they're like, oh, well, we don't, we don't have pilots. And the flight that's in front of you is stuck at the gate with a mechanical problem. And we don't oh, know what's going on. Try run down to five gates down and try to get on that flight. It's leaving right now. Okay. So we run down to that gate and you're waiting at that gate. And they're like, uh, I'm sorry, we're pulling away. Uh, go back to your original gate. And then finally we got on the plane and the flight was great. And pretty much everyone got upgraded to first class. And uh, it was so it was, it was fine. No, it was fine because the plane was empty. The plane was empty. Oh. There was maybe 10, 15 people in the whole flight. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Originally, it was a fully booked 300 person flight. So anyway, you know, we made it. And uh, that but that, you know, that cut out of some of the, you know, last minute kind of rehearsal and fine tuning of the of the talk. But it, the next day, woke up, went and uh, and 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 met everyone there. And wonderful, beautiful uh, place. I already forgot the name of it, but in Atlanta, where they do Startup Ride, beautiful. Uh, I mean, you couldn't honestly, you couldn't ask for a better room 
to speak in. It was, uh, you know, it sat about between 200 and 300 people and they had like overflow rooms with, with nice TVs so people could be in different parts of the place and watch. But it, it was, it was uh, just a really great setting, a stage that was not too large. Uh, you're enough room to move around, but not, you're not just like dwarfed. Or you didn't have giant lights and all. I mean, it was just really great. And the people who put on the, the, the show was amazing. I mean, just amazing. You know, they had everything for you. What temperature do you want your water? Like it was great. And, uh, and just was a blast. The audience was very receptive to the message that I, I tried to deliver and, uh, was a lot of fun. Oh, uh, t- talk a little about that. What you, if, if you want, I mean, yeah, what, I don't, what I mean, talking about your show, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't bogart it, but, um, it was, you know, I, I had told you a little bit of, I wanted to talk about time and, and what I, you know, what I wound up spending the, you know, the most time during the talk really going over is, you know, I, he had asked me to sort of inspire people. And, uh, and, and, and so the way that I did that was kind of by talking about how all of my mistakes along the, uh, the path of trying to do something that didn't involve working for someone else. And, you know, um, it's funny because like when I, I know we've talked about this, like the word entrepreneur, it's, it's almost like, to me, it's like a bad word in a way, because it meant somebody who like us, who did very, or at least like me, I, I want to speak for you also, but I know you share this, this feeling is that we don't do well working for other people. So like entrepreneur for me meant like, can't figure out a job that I won't get fired from or have to quit after six mm-hmm. months. <laughs> like, it's no, a, you I, know, t- I totally agree. No, go it's, ahead. it's come to, it's come to be, you know, even trying not to be too cynical here. It's, it's, it's lost a lot of its meaning if it ever had you know, yeah, much yeah. meaning to it. And so, I mean, you know, it's, again, it's another one of those cases of a buzzword where we actually have like a, a pretty good word already, which is that you're a small business owner. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> do we really need to, that's entrepreneurship? Is that what that is? That's okay. That's basically what I think of it as, but this word, it's like a loaded word now, you know, um, entrepreneur now like means like a 20 something in, in a hoodie you know, with an idea. <laughs> and so like, I, I tried very hard to, to, uh, tr- you know, to kind of talk about like, here are the things that I did. And, and mo- mo- most of them didn't work out, but now I've found something that's kind of working out and it's really hard and to do, and it's fun and it's great. And this is what I do. And, you know, but I, I, I tried to tie that into like the things that are interesting because I was, I found out I was a judge, I was judging these, uh, 29, it was supposed to be 30, but somebody dropped out. Uh, these, these 29 small businesses, these entrepreneurs, these ideas who had started something or were trying to start something. So it was almost a little like Shark Tank with me and, and one or two other judges uh, up there. And the, these people would come up and they'd say, okay, in three minutes, they would have to describe what their business was. And then we had three minutes to ask them a question. And then out of these 29, we would pick our top five. And then the audience would vote on who was the first, second, and third place in the top five that we sort of nominated for them to to vote on. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to kind of talk about, you know, my, my thoughts about that, about ideas and like what ideas are interesting. And for me, it's ideas like the, the egg thing you're talking about. That, you you know, <laughs> certainly not, not a bad idea. Well, it's a good idea. And the, the fact that you have a company that will go and get those eggs and bring them to you they're saving you time and time is like the currency we can't generate more of, you know, like it, most people right now, if you wanted more money, most people, if they're in, you know, if, if they have skills that, that are in demand wherever they are, you could go out and earn extra money. Like if you really, really wanted to do that, like right now, you know, if you're a, if you're a, a web designer, you could go and I guarantee you in your city somewhere, there's a, a shop that doesn't have a website or that wants a better one. And you could go out there and you could like design their site or hook them up with, you know, Squarespace or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you could do that for them and you could make an extra 50, 100, couple hundred bucks. Like you could do that. But like the inverse of that was my whole mowing the, the yard thing is like there. I used to spend a lot of time every weekend you know, mowing the yard, bagging the grass, you know, uh, trimming the, the hedge, all of this stuff. And it would take three or four hours on, on a weekend. I didn't mind it because it was like physical activity. I was outside and all of that stuff. But it was hard work and it would suck up at least half a day on the weekend. But time became more precious to me. And eventually I was like, you know what? I'm happy to pay someone 100 bucks to just do this for me because the three or four hours of my time is worth – 
you know, more than that hundred dollars. So here's a hundred dollars and just go and, 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 and do this for me. You'll do it better. You'll be in and out faster. It'll look better if you do it. And now I have that four hours back to do something else with, uh, like be with my kids, you know, for example. So the, the, the ideas that have, and, you know, as people were kind of like, what should I be doing for me? It's anything that takes that that takes time and gives me time back that makes it easier for me. I'll order something from Amazon, even if I know it's at target for the same price, because I don't want to have to drive to target, pick it off the shelf, wait in line, check out, you know, walk back to the car and drive back to the thing. I can buy it on Amazon by clicking one thing. And that's, and that's part of the success of Amazon is in in the same way that, I mean, you look at companies like Apple and Amazon who are doing something that wouldn't have seemed possible really a decade ago, even, excuse me, I'm so sorry, which is to get you to think differently and to get your, to tickle your buying bone often enough that you start to think of that as the first thing you would do. You know, like I don't even know where to go to buy a CD nowadays. If I want to buy music, I'm going to go to the iTunes store. And like, and like you're saying, you say what you will about Amazon. And I think there's definitely things to say about a number of things that they do to end up kind of harming businesses. But yeah, I mean, I'm the same way. I mean, I get freaking toilet paper from Amazon. Right. And I mean, and you've got, but they've you've, answered, the, to your, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, but to your point, all I'm saying is that like they've, they were successful, not simply at doing a new thing, right. but at providing something you didn't know you needed <laughs> in, in, in a way you didn't know was possible. That's right. And, and then, and then made it a habit. And so that's why, you know, you, anytime somebody wants to quote unquote disrupt an industry, you've got to think about doing more than a better version of what somebody did or a different version of what somebody did. But like, how do you build that into a, a platform where somebody's going to like find you uh, almost un, unreplaceable as yeah. a service? Yeah. And I mean, compare that to some the first Uber I ever got was two years ago in, in Atlanta, actually. And look at, look at that company now. Say what you want about their practices and whatever else they do. But the fact is, like, you can stand somewhere and, and tap a button on your phone and, like, a black car pulls up. That's right. It's, it, what does it do? It, it might save you money, but probably not, but it'll definitely save you time. Oh, where can I get a cab? I'll stand on the corner. I'll wave my arm for a while. That won't work. I've got to call the company. I've got to sit there and wait. Forget that. I'm tapping a button and there's a black car right there. I'm like, also starting to wonder if any test of a successful business is people on podcasts end up prefacing, discussing them by saying, say what you will about their business practices. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to now. That's all, but, all companies. I love, I, love, I love your point, though, um, about what to, I don't know, outsource. Yeah, time, time execu- you know, and, and then execution, the whole fact of execution, of showing up you know, every day and doing something, you know, showing up for, for 210 episodes of, of a show. You know, that's the difference between... Uh, you know, between a podcast that, that, you know, that has a, a lifespan, that's the difference between a business that works. You know, my friend who does Uncrate, five posts a day, five days a week. Like yeah. you show up and you do it and you know what? You can miss a day or you can miss a week and you'll be forgiven for that. But like the, the biggest success stories always seem for some reason to come from people who are like, they show up and they work hard and they do that every day. And, and that's the biggest challenge uh, because ideas are like, Everyone knows this, but apparently they forget. I, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of forgetting a hundred times. An idea doesn't really do much. It's the execution of the idea. And so, you know, I tried to talk about that. And the one thing I told this story, I, I know I've told, we've talked about on this show, which is like my first business was selling candy at, at recess. And after I told that story, um, I, I had a bunch of people, most of them were like, because the kind of the audience was kind of a mix of like, uh, you know, small business owners or, or entrepreneurs or people who want to do that uh, it was about half the audience or maybe two thirds the audience. And then the other third of the audience was people who were like angel investors or, or VCs who were looking at like, what's the cool stuff going on in this town? Like, what, what should I be paying attention to? And um, those guys, the, 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 um, the people who were like the angels and the VCs came up to me and they said, I sold candy. Uh, on, at recess too, or I would, you know, I sold candy. And for those who don't know the story, I'll give you the abbreviated version. There was a Texaco store near my bus stop and I went and got the, the watermelon Jolly Rancher, you know, the flat rectangular. That's my favorite. Yeah. That's my favorite of the Jolly Rancher. That's the canonical Jolly Rancher. They're the best. So I got, I, I had a dollar. I forgot how I came into money. I came into some money and I had a dollar and I was probably 10, 11 years old. And I bought, I, I bought 10 of these things, 10 cents each. And I took them to the, to the, 
to school and I was on the playground and I had some in my pocket and a kid said, oh, can I have one? I said, you could buy one. And he said, uh, cause he wasn't like a, he wasn't in the inner circle, you know? And he said, how much? I said a quarter. He's like, done because the concession stand at school sucked. So he gave me a quarter for that. And I said, uh-huh. so hmm. I walked around and said, these <laughs> are for sale. How much? 25 cents. I sold all of them. I reinvested the money back, put it back in the business like you're supposed to and bought the next day, bought all, more of them. Cause now I had, uh, you know, I'd been selling them at 25 cents minus the one that I had. I bought, used all the money to buy more and sold all of them. And the next day bought more and sold all of them and continued to invest until the school demand shut me down. And they yeah, said, you that's, can't that's do how it. they get you. But so I had like three or four different sort of angel investor VC types. Clearly, you could tell they're rich just by the kind of swagger, the way they walk around. But uh, they said, oh, I sold candy too. Or one guy actually said, you know, four, five, six of the guys that we've invested in have told me the same exact story. So I think that's like a thing of like selling candy and knowing you're, you know, you can't, you're unemployable if you sell candy. That's <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Maybe that should be, uh, you know, one of the questions you ask. If you want to find out if somebody's going to be, uh, mm-hmm. well, how, how industrious someone is, is did you ever sell candy illegally in school? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, I want to talk about a different angle uh, of that uh, that's related, but uh, did you want to tell me about something you like? I would like to tell you about a company called Fresh Books. Fresh Books. Hold on. Where's my, my bells in the other room? That's all right. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Fresh Books. We're talking about like being an entrepreneur, being your own boss. Well, Fresh Books is a great company to help you do that because uh, they make it incredibly easy to invoice. They are online, easy to use, web-based invoicing software. Uh, they're designed to help small businesses and small business owners save time, invoice more easily, and, and get paid faster. That's because they're so easy to use. You go to the website and you generate your invoice. They send it out for you electronically. They'll send the person you're invoicing an email that lets them know, hey, there's an invoice here waiting for you. They can send them a PDF version of it. They can download that. But what's really cool is as the person doing the invoicing, you can now see when that person you invoiced saw your invoice. So you know, oh, they got it. They just haven't paid it. You can have automatic late fees. They can pay you through FreshBooks. You can track your time. You can upload invoices so that you can keep track of your expenses. It's so, so awesome. And, uh, and it's just, it's all, everything is there. Everything is integrated and, you know, you get paid faster. They've actually done studies where they show that, that, uh, you, you will get paid faster through this five days faster on average. And you know what? That matters a lot, especially if you're a small business and you don't have millions of dollars sitting in a bank account somewhere uh, to pay everyone or pay yourself. Like you got to get paid. So this you is call it the cash flow, cash flow. You got to have cash flow. You've got to. Uh, so anyway, go check this out. They integrate with tons of services, whether it's Google apps or Basecamp, MailChimp, all of those are, are built in and uh, they've got great support. A way to try this out to see if you like it, you can try their unlimited uh, plan where you can set up as many you know, clients, invoices, and everything as you want for 30 days for free. And here's the special URL to go to. It is freshbooks.com slash back to work. Freshbooks.com slash back to work. Just going there will support the show. Uh, but if you decide to sign up, and you should, there's a little how do you hear about us block. And uh, you just put back to work in there and then we'll get credit for the show and you'll get uh, a wonderful service. So thanks very much to FreshBooks, uh, freshbooks.com slash back to work for supporting Back to Work with Merlin Man. Bok, bok. It's always funny. <laughs> it still is. Yeah. But I don't know. Uh, I think the talk, a lot, you know, a lot of people uh, came up afterwards and, and, and said, wow, I really enjoyed your talk. And then they'd ask a, a question about it. And I feel like if, if they didn't enjoy it, because I'm very self-conscious of everything, you know, that, that, I, that I do. I feel like it sucks. Everything sucks. So, um, you know, I think they have to be gen- – like I don't go if, – if I didn't enjoy someone's talk, I won't go up to them and say I, that I enjoyed their talk. I'll just like move along, you know. But So right. I feel like that – they're not just being taking pity on me when they say that, are they? I don't know. No, no, probably not. Also, they probably just want to say hello. You know, um, I think there are certain kinds of people who go to uh, events like that who really like to drink in the whole experience and meet as many people as they can. Not just the networking types, but you know, who like to you know, learn learn as much as they can. And, and in that case, use that opportunity to you know talk talk to someone and pick their brain a little bit. Um, I don't know. I I I'm, I feel so self conscious when I'm done giving a 
talk. I, I feel like such a dork. That's right. And it's like, you know, I am kind of Im- immune to compliments because I, I feel like I, I always feel like I did a terrible job. <laughs> no, I do, I do too. And I, I've seen, I've never seen you give a talk in person, but I've watched videos and I've listened. And I, uh, whenever I give a talk, I'm kind of, I'm doing my best to sort of channel the, the, I don't want to say energy is not the right word, but the, the presence that you have when, when you're up there. Yeah. The mania. Yeah. The mania. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so, I mean, you, 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 you give great talk and thank you, you know, and, and I think if, if I, you know, if that's my goal to, I'm trying to achieve, it's a, it's a good one to have, but I'm just, I'm with you. And then someone comes up and they're like, Oh, it was a really good talk. And, and then I almost, I almost want to do the thing or like, Oh, what'd you like about it? You know, but I wouldn't, I never, I never do. Well, yeah. What was the last talk that I did? Um, or the last live thing that I yeah, did? What was it? I don't know. But I recently did a live thing where, like, I thought it's so hard to know when you're when you're on stage how it went, and I don't want to make this a topic necessarily, but uh, it's hard to know. And I, you know what? I went overboard afterward, like rejecting people's compliments. I hate when people do that. I hate when I compliment somebody and they, and they reject the compliment and go, oh, that wasn't actually very good. And I did that and I felt bad about it. And I realized it's a really crummy thing to do. If somebody comes up and says they enjoyed the show, it kind of doesn't matter whether it's true, accurate, complete, or honest. Mm-hmm. What matters is somebody paid you a compliment and you should be a gentleman about it. So I, I, I'm saying that out loud to make sure I don't do that anymore because it's, yeah. it's really uncharitable. The other thing, if I could, about um, what you're describing, and we've talked about this a lot, but I still think this is really interesting. For some reason, you're, you're reminding me of, I don't know, making me think about how you start out in so many, unless you really are somebody who sells candy at school, yeah. most people, you, most, <laughs> I, I feel like I don't, maybe, I, maybe I just didn't know people like this or didn't know I knew people like that but most people i knew were much more interested in being a practitioner of some kind mm. so it was that i didn't know that many people i don't think i knew anybody who wanted to be a publisher but i knew a lot of people who wanted to be writers i didn't know that many people who wanted to own a restaurant mm-hmm. per se or run a restaurant but i knew a lot of people who like were, were waiters and i don't know i always think it's really interesting when you're thinking about I'm trying to get back to the original thing you described. Like, how do you decide what yard work to do in your business? And, you know, I, I think it's so interesting when somebody finds themselves, um, maybe quick, more quickly than they expected, having to shift roles from being talent or from being a practitioner to being a manager, a producer, or as you say, an entrepreneur. And like, and just how vastly different and sometimes uncomplimentary those roles are. You know, and again, I realize we talked about this a lot, especially in, in like a, an IT environment where you're somebody who picked up programming and you got pretty good at it and you realized you had a head for it. And, you know, maybe, maybe you weren't somebody who really enjoyed, uh, maybe you enjoy interacting with people, but maybe you, you don't so much love having to tell them to get to work earlier or something like that. Or, you know what I mean? All the stuff you have to do once you start managing and just how bumpy that can be. For people who, you know, have showed up, showed up for, shown up, shown up for five or eight years, Mm -hmm. climb the ladder a little bit as a developer or as a, as a, you know, just a system administrator, any kind of a person who maintains and deals with tech stuff. Those, those are frequently, uh, I would have to say, this is a cliche, but as against something like business development, sales, those are not generally necessarily the most social people in the world in a conventional way. And may not, and may have a, or or may not also be that conversant in dealing with management types in any but a somewhat adversarial way, or a, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I guess, and, and, and the reason I mentioned this, for some reason, I keep thinking about when Rob Cordry was on here oh, uh, yeah. a couple years ago. Yeah. And, uh, and just talking about that transition from being an actor who, you know, or, you know, he did improv and acting for a long time and then became the producer uh, of his TV show, Children's Hospital. And like, what a, what a, sh- I think he talked about it on that episode. I put it in show notes, but talking about like, you know, it's a really big deal to go from being somebody who, perf- somebody who does improv, let's say, to somebody who they go, oh, this guy UCB is really good. Let's, let's have this guy or gal do this role. Okay. So now you get to be an actor. You get to do sketches. You get to be in a bit part in a movie. And then maybe you get more like a speaking part in a movie and so forth. And then, but, then what a leap that is to go to becoming a writer. Because even if you've written stuff in the past, like everybody says like being in a writing room for a TV show is, is a really, is a pretty crazy 
interesting, unusual, bespoke experience. Yeah. You know, yeah. very, very collaborative. Again, not adversarial necessarily, but, um, and then to make the really big leap to becoming what you might call a producer, somebody who, or a showrunner. Like what, my gosh, what a different kind of job you have now from being somebody who shows up and tries to yes and well on a Friday night to being somebody who has to like make sure the, the gaffer gets paid, you know, or that the CG thing that we sent off a week ago turned out okay, or that all of these scripts that are in development in different stages are being taken care of. And, you know, in Rob's case, you know, Rob and David Wayne would have to figure out like, oh my gosh, how, how do we do this with Google Docs where we can see our revisions and stuff like that? Like all the kinds of things that you suddenly wake up, maybe not that suddenly, but suddenly enough, you realize that you have such a different job than you expected. And I think that goes straight to being a business owner where you have to think about what kind of yard work you're going to outsource. Because on the one hand, I mean, you know, one, what is, one reason we love Squarespace is you and I know that in this at this time, um, if if what you do needs a website, and I don't mean this as an ad, but like you know, let's just 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 one example. If what you need is a website that does stuff, uh, and you're not a web ex, a web, it's not a web product per right, se. Right, right. It would be great to find somebody to do that for you. Like, do you want to go out and try to repli- replicate Amazon uh, AWS? Do you want to go out and try to replicate SoundCloud? Yeah, do you want right. to go out and try to replicate? Akamai or, or, you know, a CDN service, you know, it's just, I don't know. And, but then that gets you to this really deep issue, which is like, what is my job? And consequently, what is my product? Like, I really, I actually really like working on the website, but what I need to do today Uh, is coordinate hiring a manager for this office we have to open. That's going to be really expensive grown. You know what I mean? So I don't know if you want to, would want to address that, but that's the other thing is like how, you know, setting aside what you're, what you've been good at historically, mm-hmm. like what you need to get good at fast um, and how to know which parts of it to outsource to other people. In your case, it makes sense to have other people doing podcasts on your network, for example. Right. But, but you know, you seem happiest when you're able to also be making new podcasts that you really like. Oh yeah. You wouldn't, totally. you wouldn't want to give that all away and just be the guy who sits around and goes for rump, for rump, for rump. Yes. Yes or no. No, I would, I would rather actually, I would rather not do that part of it. At all, I would rather just make, you know, a couple shows that I really love to do. I mean, that's, you know, early on, I, I kind of figured out that there were people who are much, much better and faster at editing than I am uh, or or maybe could ever be. And certainly more than I want to be like that's I can edit very well. Um, it but, but takes, maybe that's not the best use of your time. But it's not. I mean, it's really not because there are people who enjoy it way more than I do who are way better than me by, you know, exponentially better than me uh, at it and therefore faster. And I would rather pay them to do it and pay them, you know, to, to, to do it so much better than I could than, you know, for, for me to take time away to do that. So that's, that's an, uh, the first, that was the first kind of person that I ever hired, you know, contracted out to, to do, to help out. And I realized, wow, now that, you know, the same way that mowing the lawn, like here's three or four hours that I've got back in my life. Yeah. I'm spending a hundred bucks, but this is my, my time back. I've paid for time in a very direct, meaningful way. Um, it was, is kind of the same thing of like, whoa, if I'm not spending the next two or three hours, you know, or even hour, even if it's just an hour editing a show and uploading it, Mm-hmm. Uh, and someone else can do that. I don't care if it takes them 15 minutes or an hour or two hours. They're charging me re- something reasonable for that. And now I can do something else, even if that something else isn't like a revenue generating thing. Like, well, now I can do an extra show. Sure, I could do an extra show. Maybe I could also like read an, an, an article and understand something better. Or, you know, so I I would much rather be the person. I mean, it, like the dream world for me would be to just show up and 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 be able to just do do some really great shows and spend the rest of the time like studying what I could do better and and coming up with new ideas and and making this things that I do better and I feel like that's like for me the ultimate success uh, at, at whatever it is that I'm doing and I imagine that that the people who are who tend to be super successful uh, are are people who are able to focus on the things like you're saying the things that, that are the best uses of their time, that are mm-hmm. the things that are, you the know, best uses of their time, of their time. Yeah. yeah. Because it's that, 
you know, like we, we can all do lots of different things. We can, we all have the ability to do payroll and maybe write some code or do some design or, you know, whatever. But like, are those, is that where our, our talents are best expressed? Like Johnny Ive isn't, you know, logging into Quicken and running payroll. You know what I'm right. saying? Like he's, he, right, he's right. that he is elevated beyond that so that he can sit in the, the white room with the white table and the, you know, the white his own version of Quicken that's all white and has one button. <laughs> that's right. But he can he can focus <laughs> on making really great stuff. Like he can he can do that because he doesn't have to worry. Are the people on the third floor going to get their their checks in time? Or what is the revenue like for this product line? Or what he can focus on these things that are super important. And we almost you know when when we think about these people that I think everybody has some kind of role model. They have somebody who they. I don't want to say idolize, but who they kind of put on a, on on some kind of uh, you know throne on a tower somewhere of like, well, that person's just so amazing. And whether if you're in design, it's this person. If you're in fashion, it's this person. If you're in you know programming, it's this person. But you have to remember that most of those people are not like the small business owner toiling away till nine at night, missing their kids' bedtime and dinner for the third night in a row, trying to get everything done because they don't have enough income to justify hiring someone. So they still have to do it themselves to get them over that hump. Like that's real life. Real life mm-hmm. is, 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 is for most people is never going to be, you walk in and there's an army of people handling all the little details so you can go be a visionary in the other room. Like, <laughs> right. you know, like that's not, that's not real life. That's not for most, almost all human beings. It will not be like that. So finding that balance of like doing the stuff that you really like to do and, and, and trying to offload the stuff that you're not good at. Matt Howie, who just, uh, he, Oh yeah, this is big news. Yeah. He, so do uh, you, you tell this. Well, Matt started Metafilter uh, as just kind of a personal project in, I think, 1999 uh, as a, a community weblog, as a place where people could come, uh, post a link, and then people would talk about it. Um, and so that it's, you know, had its ups and ups and ups and then some downs and some ups and downs over the years. And Matt finally has sort of has stepped away from active development on it to have other people work on it. Right. And, uh, and actually the, the journey of that is a very interesting story that you can cobble together from a few places, but I hope he'll like kind of write it all up one day. Cause it's an amazing story. Like what, especially the penultimate chapter where of like what he, what he dealt with, with, yeah. you know, really basically dealing with Google and, um, it's really fascinating how that story went, but now he works at Slack. Now he works at Slack and you know, everybody's going to Slack. Everyone is there mm-hmm. and everyone uses Slack, but the thing that, that he gave me some really good advice a year or so ago, he was in Austin, I forget why, and um, we met for lunch. And maybe this is, you know what, this is maybe three years ago, I, I think. And we had met for lunch and we were talking and I was, you know, he's like, so what's going on with you? What are you working on? What are you doing? And I was kind of telling him of, you know, kind of, uh, we were we were sharing our grievances and uh, mostly me. And I was saying, oh man, I got that. I'm doing so many things. He's like, listen hire someone. I said, okay, but who do I hire? Do I hire a producer? Do I hire a person to help with sales? Do I hire this and the other thing? He said, find the thing that you like to do the least and find somebody who likes to do that and, and enjoys doing it and hire them. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, find that because like as unthinkable as this is to me, our bookkeeper who comes in, you know, once every couple of weeks and like mm-hmm. figures things out, like she really likes doing that. As, right, as right, right. Un, I would rather shovel poop then do her job, mm-hmm. but she enjoys it. She likes it. It's, I can't, I can, you know what? I take her word for it and she seems to be doing it right. So, you know, it's like that. It's like, she's great and, and she loves to do this. And I'm happy to have her do that because I really suck at that. Well, I have a, I have a, a kind of theory on this. Uh, did you want to tell me about something else that you like? Yeah, I can do that. I can tell you about, uh, and then I'll tell you, then I'll tell you about my unified field theory. I, I would like, yeah. Is that like the, um, the the Steve Jobs um what do they call that uh field of uh field field of dreams field of dreams Marshall Fields yeah yeah it's like Marshall Fields Citrix go to meeting so you know what we've been talking about time the whole this whole episode my talk was about time another company that will save you time is is Citrix go to meeting they not to say they don't just save you time they save you money and they save you the hassle that it takes to hold a meeting. They're all about making meetings better because nowadays, you know, it is, it is 2015 still, 
And in 2015, people don't all work in one big office and cubes next to each other. They work all around the country. They work all around the globe. They work in different time zones. They work from home. They work from coffee shops. They work from offices. And uh, a lot of the time, you know what? Client meetings, more and more, uh, my friends who, who do like consulting and design and development work, there, I, I said, oh, you seem to be traveling a lot less. They're like, oh, yeah, we don't travel. We do everything like with, with online meetings now. So if they're working with a client, they might have an initial meeting. But from then on out, they're going to use, use like Citrix GoToMeeting because it's a smarter way to meet. You're basically going to be able to hook up with your team and talk to them. You can even do client presentations on this. You can do this from any computer, any tablet, even a smartphone without like any expenses. You can show, oh, look, here's my screen. Look at this thing that I'm working on. Someone else can say, oh, well, what if you did it like this? It's all, it's collaborative. It's built in. You can share screens. You can show images. You see video, you hear audio, and it's all really, really, really high quality. Everyone sees what you're seeing so that you can get on the same page with the rest of your team, with your client, and it's HD quality video too. So it's, it's really, really awesome. Uh, so here, I want you guys to, to go and sign up for this because it's free for 30 days. There's like nothing to lose by doing this. Uh, go to meeting.com and there's a little try it free button. If you click that, uh, you will have your first meeting in like in minutes, like it sets up in- instantaneously. So again, it's go to meeting.com free 30 day trial. Go, go there and, uh, and let them know you heard about them right here on back to work with Merlin man. Thank you. Citrix go to meeting. Uh, you know, uh, you know how sometimes we, we blanch a little bit at that uh, notion of doing what you love yeah. or, or things like that. Um, because it can be a little bit misleading, um, or I don't know, it can just be, it can be a little silly. Um, I think here's one way I, I've, I've started to think about this is either going to sound a little profound or incredibly obvious, maybe both, but you know, um, I think when you're thinking about what it is that you either, in your case, what it is that you want to have help with from other people, or when you think about what it is that you would like to spend a lot of your time doing, um, I think in an ongoing way, it's interesting to ask yourself a certain kind of question, which is, um, when I when I encounter challenges in my work, what are the kinds of challenges that I find um, exciting, um, bracing, right? Um, like what are the kinds of challenges that I, that I, that I typically handle well that maybe other people don't handle well? Like when this kind of thing that comes up a lot comes up, like I'm great at responding to that in a way that maybe other people are not. And I think, and that's what, now, so the part one of that is I think that's kind of an interesting question to ask yourself. So rather than like the doing what I love part, well, maybe a more interesting way is like when I'm challenged, what makes me do well and grow? Okay. Mm -hmm. So you know, it would be one thing to say, well, I really enjoy, you know, coloring these pages in my kid's coloring book. Well, that's not going to be a great thing to challenge you to get better at your job or to move up or learn other things. But, you know, it's part of that life as a platform idea of saying like, well, you know, over the past year, uh, I've had a lot of challenges and the ones that I handled best were these kinds of things. What can I learn from that? Right. So first of all, you might say, well, you know, I, I, uh, this year went pretty well. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't too stressed out. Well, you know, in that case, you might say, well, did I challenge myself enough? Or you go like, oh my God, I was so overwhelmed by having to deal with this thing that I just didn't cope with well, or I feel like I didn't have the skills for whatever your flavor of that is. I think when you ask, ask it that way, it becomes a little bit more interesting and a little bit more useful. And why do I say ongoing? Because that needs to be a dynamic process where you, you know, sort of like a lot of teams will do like a post-mortem after and, and say like with a real clear-eyed, non-blamey way, like how could we have done that better? Right. And when you look at how you handle those kinds of challenges, I guess part of it is I feel like I'm, it's becoming clear to me what kinds of challenges I'm better at than others or what kinds of ones I tend to thrive with. And I think you could make an argument that learning what kinds of challenges like this month are going to make you better at what you do are a big part of getting better at your job. I mean, I think that's useful for for pretty much everybody. Do, do you know what I mean? No, I totally do. I mean, it's it's a process almost in a way. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it, it is. Yeah. It absolutely is. Yeah. And and that's something that seems it seems mystical. When you think about the, 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 this slow evolution that just seems to happen, whether you want it to or not, in a way. Uh, yes. Do you know what I mean? 
yeah, I, I do. I do. Mystical is a pretty good word for it, but it's it's really if you wanted to put it in even more quotidian terms, uh, it's that you know if 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 you if it were clear to you how you were going to be able to slam dunk every single thing that you did, then they wouldn't really be challenges. That doesn't mean it's bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of being a happy person is having a kind of job or life that doesn't stress you out, right? If you're constantly encountering things that are beyond your capabilities, I think it's difficult to be a satisfied, like whole and healthy person. Mm-hmm. But um, the mystical part, if you want to call it that, is that any anytime you're facing something new, you're facing something that's a challenge, you're going into a, a kind of a, a dark room where you might have some knowledge about the size of the room and the rough location of the door, but like it takes a certain amount of courageousness to walk into anything that you don't know for sure you're going to succeed at, right? And so, and I, I again, I happen to think that in the pop uh, psychology and pop productivity world, this tends to get massacred a million oh, yeah. different ways to some of the worst advice you could ever have. Like, mm-hmm. you know, go and do all the stuff you're afraid of. Well, don't do that if you're going to die. Or, you know, we're going to end up destitute. That's not a good idea. Um, there has to be a, some measure of, I'm personally challenging myself to do these certain kinds of things while also maintaining the, these other things that are sustaining, for right, example. Right. But anyway, that I just, I guess I feel like it's part of this is I, I, I do think what you're describing is interesting. I do think that theory of the challenge is an, is an interesting idea. But I also want to partly dispel the like, the people, the advice of people who are saying things that at very far ends of the spectrum that I think are not healthy, which is, you know, on the one hand, either like never do anything that's that hard because life is scary or on the other end going like, you know, do the do and jump off this base jump off this mountain or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, the (laughs) real answer is somewhere do the do. (laughs) No, I remember that. Sure. So, um, and, and, and again, that's, you know, it's that old phrase of yours. It's a black art. Yeah. It's very, very difficult to know what's a smart challenge. But over time, the thing that gets you through that doorway into that dark room and out on the other side is partly knowledge that there's, there's probably not a tiger in that room. Mm-hmm. Like you will actually get out on the other side. And, uh, you know, it just it's a basic concept that, you know, in some ways, courage, as they say, is not a question of whether you do or don't have fear. It's a mm-hmm. question of whether you do it, even though you're extremely scared that that's a kind of courage or even just a little scared. So, I mean, you know, I'm, this is so broadly applicable, but that it's difficult so to come is. up with a specific example, but, um, just because it's something we love doing or it's something we like doing or it's something we think we're great at doing doesn't mean it's the best thing for the business and it does not mean it's the best thing for our growth because what if you should be challenging yourself in something that's way outside of what you're doing right now? Right. How would you know that? That becomes the the dark art. Yeah, it, it really does. And, you know, it, it's funny you bring up the whole concept of courage, which we've talked about a few times. And uh, I was reading um, my, my son, Seven, he's seven, um, he, there was a book fair at school. So he came, you know, you, you give them some money, they come back with some books. It's Scholastic puts this thing out, I guess. And it's, it's like all the kids go completely berserk trying to pick the books. So the one that he brought back that I think is worth mentioning is there's this series of books called I Survived. Huh. And it's, it's told from their, their sort of narratives. Sometimes they're stories if they take place in a time, before, you know, sort of prehistory kind of time. But like, you know, they'll have, oh, there was this, you know, here's an earthquake in San Francisco or this other, you know, there was a hurricane here or, you know, the tsunami happened here. Whatever it is, like natural disasters that are sort of told as a story for, for kids. Um, of course, this is right up my son's alley. Uh, but the one that, that we're reading is I Survived and it's the destruction of Pompeii in oh, AD wow. 79, uh, which I'll put into the show notes in case you want to read it to your kid. But it talks about courage a lot in this book. And there's this one part where I want to spoil the story, but a boy and his father are uh, have, have – I don't want to ruin it, but they've escaped Pompeii. <laughs> But Spoiler then, alert on Pompeii. Yeah, and but then then the father realizes as they're escaping that Pompeii is in danger, that the volcano is going to erupt, uh, which we call Vesuvius, and they're going to have to they have to go back into the very city that is uh, where the people are chasing them and warn the people there of what to happen. And and uh, uh, it talks about the boy like trying to find courage, like his dad to go back in and do this. And I asked my son, I said, <clears throat> I said, what, uh, would, would you go back into the city uh, to, to warn the people knowing what the risk is? 
And he said, well, he thought about it and, and uh, he kind of surprised me because he got very serious about it. He said, well, I don't want to die. He said, but I think it would be the right thing to do to go back and, and warn the people and I would do it. Whoa. Now, would that's he really that, do it in, in the yeah, time? Probably not. Uh, probably <laughs> not. But, you know, would I? Probably not. But uh, I'd like to think that, that he would. I would like to think that I would. And it was it was interesting because that, you know, that there there's a lot there. And when you talk about courage to just, to just do the thing that you want to do and be creative, I think when you distill down everything that, that we've both been talking about for a while – Having the courage to just put something out there or show up every day or do something even if you know that it's not – you know what? You know where else they're talking about courage? I don't want to give this away either, but House of Cards, they talk about courage. Mm. And uh, and uh, again, um, Frank says uh, – Frank Underwood, he says in response to somebody, I won't give it away. He says something I'm paraphrasing that, that having courage is to know to keep your mouth shut in a situation where you completely disagree with something that someone oh, else yeah. is saying. That was, that was a good line, yeah. And uh, I'm, I know I'm misquoting it, but, you know, that's the kind of thing, like, there's so many definitions That's of, when they're dealing with the Russian guy? The Russian guy, yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was a good episode. That's uh, that's where I am, so don't don't ruin it for me. No, I, I don't care for the show. Okay. <laughs> but that was good. That one was great. That was a good one. And, uh, you know, I feel like that's uh, that's part of, you know, part of... of, of being able to keep your mouth shut or, you know, courage doesn't mean like running out there and telling everybody that they suck and your idea is better or vice versa. You know, like it's, there is, there's a right and a wrong way. And, and sometimes that means doing nothing in a way, knowing when to, to not do anything. But I don't know, like that we talked about um, uh, Mosquito Coast with the four o'clock in the morning courage, you know, um, th- there's so, there's so much to this topic. And I love this topic because, Every day we make choices, you know, every single day we make a decision of, of what to do. We have, you know, people like, well, I didn't have the courage to quit. Well, no, you had your the courage to show up and not quit your job, you know, even though you hated it. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. Like a certain kind of like uh, fortitude. Right. Fortitude. Excellent word. Intestinal fortitude. Oh, I learned it from pro wrestling. (laughs) Uh, Intestinal fortitude. Yeah. Um, I've been reading this book called, uh, and I, I, I forgive me, I don't know how to pronounce her name, the Tibetan Buddhist author, uh, Pema Chodron. Yes, I, th- I, I don't know how to say it either, but. Yeah, she, she, um, she's a really interesting, I've listened to some of her talks, and uh, she has a, a book I've been reading, a little, little short, but very, uh, very interesting and very inspiring book called When Everything Falls Apart. Mm-hmm. And uh one of the things she said in there is so sh- so short and so good. Fear is a natural reaction to moving closer to the truth, <laughs> which is uh, when you really think about it, boy, that's that's that kind of that kind of nails it. Um, and you know, with her notion and with everything falls apart, like a lot of Buddhist thinkers and writers, she's talking about the fact that you know we tend to uh, cling to whatever's going to make us feel safe, and we tend to try and run away from the things that make us feel uncomfortable, and all of these you know, negative feelings that we have can be not the best advice. And that once we're aware of them, anyway, you can read the book. It's Buddhist. Uh, yeah, just put it in <laughs> show notes. Show notes are at 5by5.tv slash B is in Buddhist, 2 is in the number, W as in water, weight, slash 210. But, uh, and just so, I mean, like there's something to that that's sort of um, inspiring in a very realistic way uh, of saying that, well, of course you're scared. You have a reason to be scared. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a reason to be scared, then, you know, then w- why be scared? But, uh, oh God, here's another one. This is so corny, but so good. You are the sky. Everything else, it's just the weather. That's pretty awesome. That really is pretty awesome. Like when you're really feeling stressed out, it's nice to remember that the sky is not the weather. Right. Mm. Mm. Did you have anything else you wanted to tell me about? No, that's it. <laughs> I was really counting on something. Yeah. I just brought it to a to a, a crashing Chodron ending. We just walk right into a Buddhist wall. Yeah. Or not a Buddhist wall. It's Zen like chocolate. Yeah, you know, th- there's one quote that um that Ajahn Jeff often starts uh his talks with, and he says, uh, and the world is swept away. And he sort of starts it just he'll just sort of say that and I'll sit mm-hmm. with you for a minute and then he'll jump into his topic, which is usually that 
topic because you know people people like like me uh, like most people we take a lot of comfort and a lot of find a lot of security and look for a lot of security in our surroundings right in in the the, the world which is so so easily uh changeable always changing things are always sort of falling apart the things that you expect to be a certain way can change at any time and we say that and we don't really practice that philosophy, you know, absolutely we, not. We, we, we're very attached to the things being the way that they are. And, you know, like this morning, uh, it's a long story as to why, but I was not able to eat breakfast at home. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of my kids was sick and I couldn't eat any food there because we were taking care of them. And I had to be here early for the thing that was happening. And I would look great. Now I'm not going to get to eat it all today. Well, I could have eaten if I had woken up earlier, but I didn't wake up earlier because there was this time change thing. Isn't the time change thing stupid? Isn't daylight saving time idiotic? And why do we still have to do that? I got one sentence on this, Dan. Pick one. That's my sentence on this. Right. Let's just stick with one. Yeah. Whatever it is, if you want to have daylight savings times, let's make that that's yeah. let's make that the time. Keep now. it. Yeah. Well, I agree. But you know, all of these things, it starts building up. And I'm so I'm getting pissed off about this and pissed off about that. And why is this that way? And that, you know what? Like I couldn't find the warm socks, so I'm not wearing the warm socks, you know, hmm. it's cold today. And like all of these different things, it just stacks up, you know? All these different things stack up, and all of a sudden I'm sitting there like driving angry. But nothing's actually happening. Like yeah. I'm just driving in a car and it's kind of a nice day. And, you know, like it, it's so easy to fall into into that sort of without knowing that you've done it, without knowing why you're on this particular track or why you're even feeling that way. And I'm like, you know what? Things are actually like really good right now. And yeah, there are these tiny little things, but the only reason I'm upset about them is because they're not the way that I want them to be. There's nothing actually oh, really yeah. that wrong with the way that they are. It's just that's not the way I wanted it to go. So I'm pissed off about it. Now I'm spending all these cycles being pissed off for like no reason. And, that, and that's only making me more pissed off. And that's only messing other things up. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Talk about the domino effect. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and then if you get in the wrong state of mind, you just start looking for stuff that is falling apart. I mean, you know, she says something in this, again, it's, it's such a, such a tentpole of, uh, of, of Buddhism, but it's really true that things are constantly falling apart. Things are constantly coming together. The part that's, and so now I guess we're in the Buddhism. Um, the, the, the part, the part that is so, uh, disquieting for, for most of us, I think, especially in America, especially in the West, is that we tend to think of, things coming together as being the natural state of things or or more properly coming together and then mostly staying that way Mm -hmm. as the natural state of things when that's really very illusory that anything is going to stay together for very long and you know it's just you know it's i and let me just stipulate that i am not great at this like i am very much like ah when can things go back to being awesome like that's my mo i think that's most people's mo Mm -hmm. but you know the the trouble is that you know, again, and this does kind of feed into, that's not silly to say it now, but to how you want to run a business is getting a state of mind about like what, what you're okay being real sort of flustered about what, what you see as being, uh, the sky and what you see as being the weather and being able to deal with that accordingly. Because again, if you're real, if you're real, you know, limited, uh, in terms of, um, if you are, sorry, people are, Beeping my phone. Um, if you are, if you are getting too caught up in your own emotions about how something is going, it's very difficult to keep anything um, logical, sane, and doable in mind. Especially, you know, and especially with the business, because the th- and that's why I say you have to have a certain composure, I guess, for wanting to deal with those kinds of things. If you want to, you know, be be able to deal with, and I, and I don't know if I need to call them out, but all the stuff that business people have to deal with all the time. I think about like the guy at the dot com that I worked at was based on an old school publishing company, and this guy had been the operations guy inside of this plant, basically. I mean, <laughs> it's a plant that happened to own a great domain name and so became a .com. And like this guy, he was like the scariest guy <laughs> in the building. Everybody respected and feared this guy. He was like one of those uh, wiry little retired Navy guys oh, who just yeah. got stuff done. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
And like, you just did not mess with this guy. I think his name was Bill. And Bill, man, Bill could make stuff happen. It may not be pretty. It may not be optimal. But Bill was constantly solving problems like all the time. Like he could just make bookcases move from one place to another. He could, he could suddenly make desks appear in this area, but he was also extremely explicit about expectations and costs. He never spent money he didn't have to spend, but he was one of the, and I look at, I would look at that guy and I go, I just, I have so much admiration for him because all he does all day long is deal with people who want it done yesterday and with, with, uh, with no budget. And he was always able to do it. And, I don't know. That's the kind of, why am I saying this? That's the kind of job that I I would just be hiding under the desk. But that guy was always out getting in front of things and thinking about the big picture, thinking about when you think in terms of like things falling apart, things coming together. Okay, well, if we move all this stuff out of the warehouse, that opens up a spot here for something to be there, like really thinking big picture. So whereas I would look at mostly as, oh my God, you guys quit being so mean to me. I'm, I'm really busy. He looks at it as an opportunity to constantly, be improving the infrastructure of what he's doing, which is what you need to do if you're an operations person. You need to think about how to reduce costs, get things done more efficiently. And, uh, and that, but that takes a really broad view that is not served well by being emotional. So I don't know. We should all try to be uh, Navy Bill. Yep. Navy Bill. Navy Bill. Boom. Boom. Button this up. I love you, Merlin, man. I love you, Dan Benjamin. 